Welcome back to the Speak Your Peace podcast. My name is Ian McNaughton. Uh, pleased to be joined by friend of the pod, even though this is his first time on, but friend of mine anyways, Greg. Greg, what's happening, man? How's it going? You know, Ian, I'm just trying to put in my application for the co-host duties. You know, I see you rocking the Seahawks beanie all the way up in uh, Canada, even though the Seahawks are struggling this year. But uh, it's nice to see a friend from the North repping the Seahawks, uh, even on a rough year so far with Russell Wilson out. So, but like I said, I just want to be the co-host. Well, I'm going to the Monday night game against the Saints. So like, I kind of have to, at least until I go, like I kind of have to keep wearing this. Like I got my Russ jersey washed, like I'm, I'm ready to go for Monday. So I have to at least like, you know, play the role or play the figure, you know, until after Monday night. I don't know if they win or not. It should be good anyways to watch, but. I think it, hopefully it'll be a good game, but you know, I have a lot of family that lives down in Louisiana and Baton Rouge. And so uh, I'm sure they'll be, they'll be uh, cheering for the other side of the thing, but you know, it's, it's kind of funny. You mentioned jerseys too, because you know, you have so many different options of jerseys you can wear, but you know, me and the size that I am, I, you know, I could never wear like a, for, for crying out loud, Russell Wilson. Can you imagine me, you know, walking around my size? I don't even think they make it that big, right? So, you know, I got I to gotta be like an offensive lineman. That's all I can do. You got, you're, you're walking around with like the Walter Jones jersey, pretty much. That, that, that's like, yeah, you <laughs> have to. I have a Cortez Kennedy jersey, and it's still, you know, it's a little bit snug, you know, but I, I went with the throwback because, you know, nothing's ever going to happen. You're, you're not going to trade Cortez Kennedy, right? He doesn't play anymore. So I never run the risk of not being able to wear that jersey anymore because they don't play for the team. So it's perfect. Well, and the other thing that uh, at least people who I've talked with around here who maybe aren't like the big Seahawks fans are like, oh, you got to bring the throwback jerseys, right? Or at least like the throwback helmets, right? Like that's the favorite that I think people really want to see is having to throwback, like seeing Russ in like the old like 90s Seahawks, like the different blue, the lighter blue jerseys, I think is something that people really want to see, which it's a little bit different with how, you know, the NFL is with rules and regulations and all that bullshit, whatever. But I think it would be really cool to see that happen. You know, I, I think my favorite one that I ever had was a Brandon Meebane jersey. Remember the guy used oh, to yes. sack and he'd do the belly roll thing, yes. right? And it was a it was a knockoff jersey though. And so I think I tried to do the belly roll once and I think it split open so I couldn't even wear it anymore. It turned into like a button up. So uh, I I so a bit of a sidebar, but Greg, uh just explain for the people who don't know who you are and what you do and, and why you're on here. Yeah, so just uh, I think here to talk a little bit about, you know, hockey and my experience with the Everett Silvertips, but also to talk just about public address announcing overall. I've been the public address announcer for the Everett Silvertips in the Western Hockey League since 2007. And uh, so I'm on my 15th season now as we are entering the 2021-22 season. And, you know, you've been working with the Silvertips doing some media stuff for them for the last couple of years. We built the relationship that way. But uh yeah, just here to talk a little bit about, answer some questions about public address announcing, kind of my pathway to where I'm at now with with doing that and some of the other fun things that I've been able to do along the way. And it's it's been a blast. It's been a hell of a ride to be able to do what I get to do. And it's, you know, for me, it's a, a side job. It's kind of one of those fun jobs you get to do. But uh, for a sports fan, I, I don't know if there's a better spot for me to be able to be in to watch all of the games that I get to watch forever at up from the perch up top and uh, just to be able to have fun. It's, it's an absolute blast. So it's funny, 2007. It's funny you mentioned that because when I was last there, I wasn't there for the last Saturday game. I was there for the home opener and Nick Patterson and I were chatting it up over dinner and we were chatting about like the heydays, like the 07, the 08 team. Um, I, I still somewhere have a, um, a big frame of like the, uh, the 2007, 2018 somewhere framed. It might even be here in this room. I have to check. I might've just like 
put it away to, for storage. But like, you know, we were talking about like the Peter Mueller's or the, you know, the Zach Hamill's, the Leland Irving's or the glory days. And you were right in the midst of that pretty much. You got thrown right into the mix of it, right? Right. When you started. Yeah. You know, it was a wild 07, 08 was just a wild year. And, and you talk about just fond memories. And I think for me, that's one thing that sticks out because you mentioned some of the players and thinking about, you know, Taylor Ellington and Zach Daly and Andre Fiala and, and um, Dan, Dan Gender. Gender and, and Shane Harper, you know, like those kind of just walking into that experience and then seeing all the amazing things that these players have done after that season. And, and some of them had more seasons with Everett after that, but uh, pretty, pretty surreal. And, and to be able to watch some of those players that you got to see at the WHL level, go on to the next step and play in the NHL is pretty awesome too. The, the guy that Nick mentioned as like a real, uh, pe- not piece of work, but like a really entertaining guy was David Riki. And that was a name I had not heard in a long time was David Riki. And it was just like, ah, oh, those are the days. You know, and it's it's kind of funny too, because and I, I was kind of thinking about this as leading up to our conversation tonight. But, uh, you know, on game days, I, I've kind of always had this assumption as I'm walking into the arena that, you know, you walk by the players and they're warming up playing. I, I forget what it's called, but basically they have a soccer ball and, and hacky sack yeah. of soccer ball, right? Um, and so, but you, I never really have interactions, right? I don't work in the office five days a week like a lot of the other staff. And so I don't get to see the players coming in and out and go to events with them. And so my experience with them is is kind of walking by, but I think there's kind of this unwritten rule that you just kind of eyes straight forward. You don't want to distract them, especially goalies, right? You know, goalies are always kind of doing their own thing and you definitely don't talk with the goalies, but I've, you know, never really conversed a lot with the players because I just figure, Hey, it's a game day. They're there to be focused. They're, they're trying to get into whatever kind of mindset they need to be in for the game. Um, but that 0708 team and, and, you know, there were some other things I think that went into it, some family relationships that we kind of had before that, before I jumped in in 0708, but, uh, some of those players, you know, like Zach Daly and Shane Harper would, would actually talk with me as I walk in. So they kind of, I let them kind of break the rule maybe before I would, but, uh, it was so much fun just to have those kind of conversations with those guys and see some of the fun things that they've gone on. But uh, those are definitely some awesome, awesome memories early on. And what a heck of a start to what I've been able to do for the last 15 years with them. It's funny. You mentioned like not talking to guys because um, Wolfie, Dustin Wolf, who like when I was first there in person, like Wolfie went over like kind of for, you know, Greg and I know, but like nearby the office, like where you go in, like, behind the locker room by the office and he's like warming up there listening to music or whatever like you don't you don't mess with Dustin Wolf pregame you're, you're mm-hmm. not you're not talking to him but when I was walking on the home opener um October 8th when I was walking from the office to the green room to go get dinner and Jackson Berezowski pointed me out the other day like when they were all doing their their hockey their hacky sack or their soccer or whatever when they're all by the Zamboni for the community rink, Jackson pointed out, he's like, what's up? Hosh? Like he's like yelling, like what's going on. And <laughs> like, Oh God, I was, I was not expecting this. Um, so you get a better reaction than I do. They, I don't even know if they knew who I am. I just kind of walked by and you well, know. <laughs> I said, well, like, like Ronan Seeley, like I kind of nodded cause you do like the guy nod, like, Hey, how's it going? And like Seeley, like, sort of recognized me, but di- didn't recognize me. Berzowski picked me out. And then uh, Braden Holt, I, I had my uh, oh shit moment. Cause when I last saw Braden Holt, like I was taller than him. Uh, he was wearing braces and I was the one interviewing him. Yeah. And, and now he's like taller, skinnier. Looks like he should be there. He's been to Maple Leafs camp. It's like, okay, 
I, I, I'm a little out of my element here. Table, uh, table had turned a little bit on you. Yeah. You didn't get taller? What, what happened, Ian? Yeah, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't. Yeah, it's weird. But you, you mentioned, yeah, so getting into it and like the family connection. So talk about how, because for those who don't know, the connection here with, with you and, and the PA, it, it's a great story. Just talk about how you got the, the job and how you became the PA announcer for the Silver Tips. Yeah, and I'll, I'll maybe even, you know, go a little bit further back and talk about when I first started in hockey. Sure. So um, in the early 2000s, the Seattle Thunderbirds still played in Key Arena. And at that time, uh, my dad, Dave Piland, got the job as the on-ice host for the Seattle Thunderbirds when they played in Key Arena. And I, you know, became almost an instant hockey fan just because he was going to all these games. And so I started going with him with to all the games. And so um, after going to all the games, I don't know, maybe for... Uh, half a month or so, the Seattle Thunderbirds, somebody there at the organization just decided to put me to work. They said, hey, if you're going to come to all these games, we're going to put you to work. And so my first job in hockey was with the Seattle Thunderbirds working as the mascot's bodyguard. And so back in that day when they played in Key Arena, there was uh, a fair amount of beer that was being consumed by some of the fans there. And so anybody that messed with Coolbird, I had to escort them out of the building and uh, kind of say, hey, politely, you're going to have to go home for the night kind of a situation. So that's kind of how it all started for me. And, and uh, a lot of fond memories, you know, going down to key arena, watching some of those fun games that the Seattle Thunderbirds play in that arena. And it's uh, very different now uh, than it was back then, but still kind of a great introduction. And um, you know, for there, I, I kind of stopped doing hockey. I would say right around 2004, I think right around when the silver tips kind of first uh, kicked off their inaugural season. And um, that was when my dad actually got the PA job with the Everett Silvertips. And so he was their first public address announcer. And um, he went in and uh, a few years after that, he got diagnosed with cancer. And so um, one of the things that I've always thought about the Everett Silvertips is, you know, not only is it so much fun to watch the product that they put on the ice, but the people that really run that organization, people that have been there since day one, like Zorn Rashik or just such quality people and um, have done so much for my family over the years. They did fundraisers for my mom and dad as my dad was kind of going through that struggle. And, you know, in 2007, early on, right after actually the season completed, the 06, 07 season completed, my dad was kind of getting a lot further down and, and not doing well at all. And so I set up a meeting with Zoran and I went in to talk to him about doing a golf tournament and seeing if the silver tips would help support us doing a golf tournament to help raise some funds for my mom and dad. And uh, at the time I'd asked Zoran what his plans were if, you know, my dad wasn't able to do all the games or, or what he was going to do if he needed a backup, something along those lines. And, you know, at the time I had never done any public address announcing. I didn't like speaking in front of people, nothing whatsoever. And he said, you know, you sound a lot like your dad, you know, we would love to have you as a backup. And he said, I want to make it very clear. We want you as your, as your dad's backup. We don't want you as the main person. If he gets better, we want him to continue doing it. And so it was kind of that time that I agreed to be the backup. And unfortunately in August, my dad passed away right before the 07, 08 season started. And so um, I kind of jumped into doing the public address announcing. And for me, I think that's where that big family connection comes in. I mean, the silver tips have been just this wonderful organization that have been so important to my family, you know, over the last much more than 15 years when my dad was there as well. And, and uh, it's just been such an awesome experience to hopefully be able to honor some of his memory. And, you know, the silver tips, like I said, just such a class organization, they renamed the PA booth after my dad. And, and uh, one of the biggest compliments I ever get is 
people say, you know, if I miss a game, people say, Hey, we miss Dave at the game tonight. So people still think it's him up there that don't maybe know the full story. And, and for me, that's like the coolest compliment I can ever get because all I ever wanted to do was sound just like him doing the games. Cause I, I looked up to him so much and thought he did such a wonderful job. Uh, and for those who don't know, I think most people know, like I was originally from, originally from ever, like my dad was like, OG season ticket holders sitting down a section like 117. Like I, I, your, your voice and your dad's voice are like synonymous with like, you know, silver tips, hockey and silver tips games. Like I, I can still like close my eyes and think about like all the times that I went there and I can hear the voices and it, it's just, it's a remarkable story. And you, you guys, I, I have to say are like the voices of the silver tips. You, you, I mean, you know, obviously we, you know, there's been different radio people who are calling the game on the radio, but when you're actually there in person, it, 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 there's nothing like it. There really isn't. And I, I genuinely mean that because you guys just do, you do such a phenomenal job. Your dad did such a phenomenal job. Even as like a little tyke, I can still remember like, you know, your dad calling it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's weird now, 15 years almost uh, of doing this. And did you ever think like PA was going to be your thing or did you ever just have the interest in doing it? Or was it just like, I, if you need a hand, I'm happy to help. But where, like, did you think this was going to be a career path for you? You know, I, I never really considered it one. Um, so before my dad did hockey, he did the stock car racing, um, out at Evergreen Speedway in Monroe. And so that was kind of his jump into the business. And then he moved on to hockey when he got the Seattle Thunderbirds job and then eventually over to Everett. But I never really thought about it. Like I said, I, I was never like a comfortable person talking in front of people. And I, I just couldn't imagine being up there in a booth and talking in front of thousands of people. Right. Like, and it's, it's very, it's, it's a lot different than going down on ice and holding the microphone and actually standing in front of everybody. I kind of get to be back behind people, which I think helped me a lot, especially in those first couple of years. But I never really thought of it as any kind of a career path. Um, and I think it was, not until I started doing it and really started enjoying it and that I, I thought, you know, Hey, this is something that I want to continue the legacy on. And, and like you said, there's, there's definitely been some wonderful play-by-play uh, -play -play broadcasters that have come through the silver tips organization. But I think it's kind of cool that there's always been a pile in behind the mic as far as the in-game, you know, presentation that we put on. And, um, and so for me, it's just, it's so much fun to continue that legacy on. And, I still think there's things that we can do that make the fan experience even that much better that the person I get to work with now every night on game nights is Joel Anderson. And he has the same kind of passion. Like how can we put on the best possible show for the fans that come out? Because, you know, we, we connect so much with the fans and there's, there's so many fun experiences we have on game nights with people that, you know, one example I'll, I'll give you that uh, every time the silver tips for four goals, they have a promotion where they give out a discount coupon to a, a sandwich shop that's located in Everett. And we always play a video that goes along with it. And it's the Sesame street counting to four. And there's this group of fans that have started to grow and grow. And they, every time we score our fourth goal, Joel and I reach out over the ledge and we hold up four fingers and these group of fans look back at us and they hold up four fingers. And it's just, it's that kind of connection where you start to build those kind of things that just ends up being so much fun, right? It's, it's something that I hope they look forward to. I know it's something whenever we get to that three goal mark, Joel and I start talking to each other. All right, here, here we go. It's time for that four goal song. You know, we get it queued up in the video system, but uh, you know, that kind of stuff I think is where Joel and I derive a lot of our passion from now is, is just how can we continue to make the product that we're putting out there 
outside of, you know, what the great things the Silvertips organization do on the ice, how can we continue to make the, the game night experience for fans that much better and, and try and come up with new and unique things to be able to do. And, um, you know, for me, I think that's what just continues to drive the passion is, hey, how can we continue to make this game night experience even better? Uh, do you know how many people send me the Twitter gif of that, uh, of like the Sesame <laughs> when, they, when we score like four goals, like when I mentioned that, or like it's a four nothing game or something. And like, I, I must get like three or four of those a night. It, it's, it's actually like, it's one of the best parts about going. Cause you know, typically Everett's in line to score four, four goals most nights. So it's really fun when that happens, that, that fan connection is like nothing else. You know, my, I think my goal would be, uh, is if we could just start doing that. And then if everybody in the crowd, you know, eventually we'd just got to get everybody to just turn around and give us, you know, the four fingers. And so we can play the video after that, but that's what we want to, we want to grow it from the section that's in now and just have everybody else enjoy it. Cause we love it. I'll make sure to do that for, on for social. I'll make sure to ask fans to like, you know, start putting up fours or like, we got to get, cam- you know, the cameras, like the arena cameras on that crowd on you guys doing that. Yeah. Or, or, or maybe, um, I guess Chris Mass isn't doing photos anymore, but you know, somebody to take photos so we can post it on social so that the next time we'll do fours. Um, I wanted to ask, like, what kind of influence did your dad have in, in doing like PA or working in hockey? Did your dad really have any, any influence in saying like, Hey, you should go be in hockey or I'd like to see you do hockey. What kind of influence did he have for that? And for you, you know, it was kind of a, it was a, um, a bit of a crazy experience. So like I said, when I first spoke with Zorin um, after the 06, 07 season had ended when my dad's health was starting to decline, um, my dad and I actually worked together. We, we had the same employer for our day jobs and he was the general manager there and I worked out at the front at the counter. And um, so we used to drive to work together a lot. And I, I remember, you know, at that time he was unable to drive. And so we were going to work and we would talk about how he does a game. We would talk about, you know, what kind of things he feels are important to enunciate and to elongate to make sure that the crowd gets that much more into it. And so he had a huge influence early on if he was essentially coaching me for the job that he had. Um, and, you know, I'm not sure if he felt like he, his time was, you know, coming to an end. I, I sure hope that he didn't feel that way, but you know, he was essentially, as we drove to work and then drove home each day, he was coaching me on what things he thought was important. And one of the things that, uh, you know, he used to say to me back then, I was much younger. I, I first started at 20 years old. So in the 07 season, I was 20 when I first started doing public address announcing for the Everett Silvertips. But, you know, I think my voice has changed over the years. But I remember when we would drive to work and I would try and make my voice as deep as his, right? Cause he had a much deeper voice than I did, especially back then. And he would always stop me and say, just be your voice, be yourself. Don't, don't try and sound like anybody else that you might hear on the radio. Don't try and sound like me, be your authentic self when you go in and do those, because it's so important and you're going to be more consistent that way. You're going to be you know, just sound better overall to people because they're going to hear that same kind of voice. And as you know, time has gone on, I think my voice has changed and gotten a little bit deeper and and sounding a little bit more like him, but he was a huge influence on me, not only growing up, watching him do what he did and admiring him, you know, I admired him overall anyways, but admiring the kind of work that he did over the speaker, but um, then having those kind of moments as we're traveling to work back and forth and having him essentially coach me um, was, was one of the greatest gifts I think I've, I've received. And, you know, I, I don't want to leave out other people either because, you know, he was, he was so incredible to my growth then. And, 
when I first started, you know, I've talked a lot about the Silver Tips organization, but before I got to work with Joel, I worked with somebody named Aaron Wilson and Aaron had been in sports for a long time as well. And, you know, he was the person in the booth with me when I first started before Joel took over for Aaron and, and came up in the booth. And Aaron was a wonderful person that helped me out a lot as well. He, he was the person that kind of said, you know, Hey, you really need to do this a little bit different or, <laughs> Hey, you know, this is what the time is for the penalty. You read it totally wrong. And I, I think I remember one of my first games, I, I said the Portland Winterhawks are back at full strength. And he goes, you, you realize we're playing the Spokane Chiefs, right? Now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I do. Thank you very much. But, you know, that those kind of people, you know, aside from my dad that helped me as I first started, because, you know, like we've talked about, I had absolutely no experience that kind of helped me grow into the position. And, and Joel has taken over in that same spot. And he's always coming up with creative ideas and and trying to help us both put on the best show that we can, but a uh, lot of, lot of influences, but yeah, definitely a very special one with my dad and those drives back and forth to work. I was going to say, do you have any other influence like influences or people who influence you like outside, like in the sporting world, like maybe a play-by-play guy or, or maybe another voice that you've heard that you like, I, I kind of like it sounds like, do you have any, like any other influences like that? Or is it really just you being yourself and who you are? You know, I, I've grown up a Seattle sports fan for my entire life. Um, you know, wasn't I was born in California, but pretty much raised here my entire life. So I've always been a Niehaus guy. Um, I, I've always thought Dave Niehaus was such an incredible talent. And I remember listening to him on the radio, and that was always pretty awesome. Um, Tom Hutler, who's the public address announcer for the Seattle Mariners, I think does a fantastic job as well. And he has one of those deep baritone voices that you kind of know you're at the stadium when you go to a Mariners game, when you hear his voice. And and that was something that I hope to recreate it at Everett, you know, with the silver tips. And that's why I think it's important just consistency wise for being sure that I'm at all of the games, because you want the fans to walk in the building when they hear that first welcome announcement to almost be like the Tom Hutler situation at Seattle Mariner game. You, you know, it's that regular person, you know, it's that regular voice when you walk in and hear that first welcome announcement. And uh, I, I always thought about that kind of stuff too. I always thought it was pretty cool. And you know, that's, that's one, uh, I, I'm not sure I'm built for the, the uh, 82 game home season or anything like that. Like Tom is, uh, I think 40 with the silver tips with preseason and everything is, is definitely enough, but uh, you know, it's, it's always kind of fun to think about those kind of people that you hear growing up and, and how much you admire their skill. And, you know, the, the grand salami calls by, by Dave Niehaus will, will always be a classic that sticks out in my mind. I think it was, Niehaus died I believe in 2010 I think well like he died on one of my birthdays like mm-hmm. when I was like 10 or 11 and I was excited that it was my birthday but he died and I was really like distraught because like he was one of my favorite you know broadcasters one of my favorite guys to listen to and like 10 11 year old Ian was like pretty distraught uh pretty upset when Niehaus died so I totally agree with you and with you know with with Hunley and the manners, like it feels like a big deal. Like when you go to the manners game, it feels like a big deal when you hear like the starting lineup call or when you hear, you know, the, 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 you know, for even the first pitch, when they announce like who's throwing out the ceremonial first pitch, it still feels like a really big deal. So I, I think, you know, pretty good influences you have there. Yeah. And it, I think one thing that, uh, that Tom always used to, I, I think just, nail every single time was anytime Ken Griffey Jr. was coming up to bat. And I just remember, you know, in the back of my mind, always how he announced it. And I just, you know, baseball and hockey are obviously so different in the, in the pace of the game and everything like that. But 
you know, it, it just seemed like there was so much style as, as he walked up and they're playing music in the background and how he used to introduce Ken Griffey Jr. was just, I thought, the coolest. All right. Well, I got you on here. I got to ask you some Silver Tips questions. So what you, what was your favorite Silver Tips team? Like what team did you love the most? Like in your 15 years, what team did you love the most watching? I think I know what your answer would be, but I'm curious to know what it is. Well, you know, you, you talked a little bit earlier on about the, the 07, 08. And so I think that that memory is going to stick out to me just because of the players that were on there and kind of the connections I felt like I had with some of the players um, and, and the mass amount of talent that that team had in 07, 08. And so that was a blast. Um, I have to say 17, 18 was a lot of fun too, right? Uh, you know, making it to the WHL finals and just the buzz that was around that team in, o- in 17, 18 with uh, them going all the way to the, the final championship um, round. And to me, like, you know, the longer the season goes, it, it just, that excitement continues to build and the team puts out new videos to kind of get the crowd pumped up. And it was just, that season was so much fun. And I, but ultimately, I guess I would say, I think every season is, is so different. There's a, a new group of kids that come in. And the, the thing I think that's so unique about the WHL is, is really the, the age group of the kids that are coming up, the passion and desire they have. And if you think about it as a 15 or 16 year old, can you imagine moving away from home, you know, where you're most comfortable going to live with billets and playing in front of thousands of people every night. And, you know, to me, it's just so impressive that these kids hold it together as good as they do, that they're still able to attend class and that they're able to come out and put on such a great show. So um, I, I don't know that I have a favorite. I think there's definitely those memories of 07, 08, just being my first season. And, and then the 17, 18 team that went all the way to the finals. But I think uh, I have so many different fond memories of, of every year that happens because new players come in, new stories develop and, and uh, you know, Luckily, I've been able to uh, be a part of a franchise that has had great success over the last 15 years and actually over the entire 19 years the organization's been around. And so um, we've, we've seen a lot of playoff hockey in Everett, which is, is awful exciting as well. So do you have a favorite silver tip or like top five silver tip players that you, that you, <laughs> you know, watch, that you love? You know, I, I think uh, about like players that I loved announcing their name and players that I got to announce a lot. So uh, I think Shane Harper sticks out a lot. I, I think he had right around 100 goals as a as a silver tip. And so that was always a fun one. And Patrick Bykov, I think, was another one. I just I loved saying that last name Bykov, you know, every time that he would score a goal. And I, I'm not sure if he's still the points leader as far as goals in silver tips history. I think he is. But uh um, he was definitely a fun one to watch too. So I, I would say, uh, you know, a, a lot of them are, are fantastic. I, I, uh, I can't even say I play adult hockey because I'm absolutely terrible, but I always play defense. And I think it's because I can't skate the length of the ice, but, uh, you know, so there was some, some defensive players that I always thought were cool, Taylor Ellington and Ben Betker, but, uh, I got to go with, I got to go with Shane Harper and Patrick Bykov, I think. I, again, I, I threw out a, a Graham Potter reference to Nick the other night, and he was, again, same sort of like, wow, that's that's a name I have not heard in a long time, Graham Potter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you got to, sometimes you go into the depths, and after, you know, that many years of you being a fan and now working for the team, there's just, there's kind of fun memories that you bring up with a lot of these guys, you know, like, I, I remember uh, Jujar Kara when he played for the team, and and Travis Huntington was the play-by-play voice at the time for the Silver Tips. And I remember talking to Trav after one of the games and I said, hey, somehow you got to work in Jujar taking care of business. And I said, it just fits. It just works. 
And uh, I remember he came in after one of the games and he said, I said it. And so I went back and listened to it. And he said, Jujar scored a goal and he goes, Jujar taking care of business. And I just, oh, I just absolutely <laughs> loved it. But it's, it's fun to think about some of those players from the past too. And, and uh, to not only watch what they do later on in their careers, if they go on to the next level, but just to think back of some of those fond memories that you have with the, uh, you know, goal scorers always kind of stand out, right? Because you get to hear about them the most, but also guys with a lot of penalty minutes, you know, Kyle Beaches and Mitch Loves. And, you know, those are those are kind of the people that I think people remember a lot as well. But uh, the Rad, Radko Gudis is another name too. Like Radko yeah. Gudis, like the one year of Gudis. Well, yeah, I think it was one year, wasn't it? The the yeah. Gudis-Ryan Gudis Murray line too. Like Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Ryan Murray, for crying out loud. Gosh, what a great defenseman he was forever. But uh, Gudis was another fun one because he has just a fun last name that you can go, Goo, yeah. you know, and then everybody, it's almost kind of like when Lou Pinella's name would be announced and, you know, everybody thought they were saying boo, but they were saying Lou, but you could do the same thing with Gudis. But uh, um, yeah, just a fun name and a fun player to watch too, so. And, and, you know, like when I was a little kid, like we got like Silver Tips jerseys, like that's, you know, it was a big deal. We got jerseys. And, you know, we were such a big fan, like we would tape like, you know, with like hockey tape, like names and numbers on the back. Right. And like, yeah. I think like one whole week I, I had like the entire kid line, like the <laughs> Kellen Totchkin, Tyler Maxwell, uh, Byron Faye. Like I had the whole kid line on my like Jersey, just switching in and out. And it's just like, that's part of what my love for the silver tips is the fact that the fact that I could pull up the kid line and like people in Everett and the silver tip fans know who I'm talking about um it's just great like that's why I love it so much yeah and and I think you have such a a great fan base there that has been around for such a long time too that you know you look at some of the silver tips games and you see some of those jerseys like a an Ivan Nikolishan or you know like just some of these like holy smokes how long was that like how long ago was that but it's it's fun to see people that have been around for that long and and people that still have such a passion for the team I, I, I swear I saw like a Matt Isis, like IUS Jersey. Uh-huh. And I, I saw that the last time I was there and I'm like, that's gotta be so long. Like that's at least 10 years ago. You've had to have it, that Jersey. And maybe it's like a, a billet or something like somebody who would personally have a connection to him. But like the fact that somebody's still pulling out Matt Isis or IS jerseys, it's, it's, it's incredible really. We got to get you like a Kent Simpson jersey or something like that. I, can't, you know, right? I would love a Kent Simpson jersey. I, I think like a Kent Simpson, Brendan Campbell. Yeah. That, ah, that, that'd be perfect. Yeah. What's the hardest player you've ever had to announce? Everett ever or away? What's the hardest name you've Ooh. had to announce? You know, gosh, I, I, because hockey I, names are not easy. No. And there's, and I think I've gotten better over the years. I remember when I, I first started and I still do the same thing. So before every single game, I, I, uh, for our team, I, I know them, right. Because you learn them at the very beginning of the season and, and you feel pretty good about it. Unless, you know, Zorn comes in and tells me, Hey, it's Yorkton, not Yorktown, Saskatchewan or something <laughs> like that, you know, but, uh, and I always appreciate that because Zorn keeps me on the straight and narrow, but, uh, you know, I feel pretty comfortable with our guys after the first couple of games, but, uh, I, I've always taken the away roster and I take it into the opposing team's play-by-play guy and go over it. And even if we see the Spokane Chiefs seven times in one season, I still go in and visit with them and say, hey, or if, if I need to talk with the, the guy from Portland, I go and say, hey, Nick, you know, what are all these guys' names? And I just run through the roster every time. And I think that just helps me be consistent. And that's an important part, I think, to 
not only honor our team to make sure that I'm saying their names right, but also to honor the opposing teams and make sure that I'm saying their names right. But I was thinking about this earlier, and uh, I think Stathis Sumilitis, and I'm not sure if you remember him. He was from the Czech Republic. He was like, I think, 2012, 2013, but Stathis Sumilitis. And, and, it's, and I wrote it down here because I couldn't even remember how to spell it, but it's Stathis, so S-T-A-T-H-I-S, and then Sumilitis, S-O-U-M-E-L-I-D-I-S. But I remember seeing that for the first time, and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm in for it. But that one, and uh, you know, I used to, I'll take home rosters after a game or something if I have it in my pocket. And one of my favorite ones to show people was Montana Onyabuchi, because if you look at his last name, right, it's like, I don't even know exactly how to pronounce that. And so uh, I, I would give that sometimes to my friends and ask them, how do you pronounce this last name? And it's always funny to hear some of the versions that come out, but uh, I, I think Stathis has got to be the toughest one. I was going to say, like, is it just got, like, it's just easier for you now. Like it's just like everything almost just rolls off the tongue because you've been doing this for like oh, 15 years. Like you say, is it, or are you still finding yourself like every once in a while, just got to check to make sure or you got to, you know, ask Nick in Portland, Hey, is this right? Like, or, or is it just rolling off the tongue now? I, I think it really just comes down to preparation for me. I, I feel so much more comfortable when I get that roster, when I go in and kind of just keep my same process and I go and talk to the opposing teams play by play. And like I said, even if I've seen the team and the players haven't changed and it's the fifth or sixth time meeting them, I still kind of go through and make sure that I'm, I'm hitting the right spot that I need to with their names. And so I think it's definitely gotten easier over the years because it's like you start to see the same pattern with some of these last names too. Right. And so I feel much better about being right on my first guess, as opposed to having them correct me. And I always write it um, phonetically on there. So I, you know, can try and make sure that I don't mess it up. And there's a lot of dashes in there. And, and then I try and kind of all mold it together, but I think it has for sure gotten easier over the years, just because you start to see the same kind of names over and over again. And you understand, you know, that Byron phrase is F R O E se i think but yes. it's it's you know so it's not froze it's phrase you know and and knowing where to enunciate and, and make sure that you're getting those names right but i i think for me ultimately just comes down to preparation so this i'm going to sidetrack a little bit here i didn't put this in, in in the agenda but what is an actual like game day preparation like, what, like how do you prepare for each game what does that look like for you uh, so for me, I'm a, I'm a big tea drinker, and uh, I think I read somewhere that Tom Hutler drinks um, throat coke tea. It's this kind of tea that you can get at you know pretty much any grocery store, and so I always load up on that. And so I get to the arenas, at, you know, fairly early. You know, if it's a seven o'clock start, I try and get there by about four thirty and um, have my tea and kind of start off that way. Talk with uh, the director of game operations about what kind of promotions we have that night. I talk with Joel about you know what we want to do for the starting lineup song, just kind of talk about logistically what we're going to do for the game. Um, and then from there, I, I take a look at my binder. So, you know, the silver tips do such a great job of, you know, selling sponsorships and they have great partners in the business community around Everett area. And so I go through the, the mass amount of reads because there's a ton of reads that we have for sponsorships every night. And that's another part, I think of the preparation to make sure that I'm reading those accurately and, and trying to, you know, sound excited if it's something that needs to be excited, or if it's, you know, a read that I need to kind of bring down to a different level, just kind of going through and mentally telling myself how I need to do each read. And so that kind of leads up to the point where we usually get the the starting lineup. So scratches and the starters. And I go, like I said, with the opposing teams, play by play, go over all of the roster, make sure that I have everybody and I'm announcing them correctly. 
start building out my book for the night, getting the starting lineups written up, getting the scratches written up. And, um, I'm a, a big water drinker too. I, <laughs> I think you probably know this well, but, uh, I, I probably go through maybe about a gallon of water during the game because I just, you know, after each read, I take a, a swig of water and, and go through, but, uh, I think there's definitely for each game night, even though I've, you know, been in working with the Everett silver tips for 15 years, it's, it's still a, a bit of preparation and just how seriously we take each and every game to make sure that we're, we're doing the best job that we can and, and hitting all of those reads correctly and making sure that everything else for the game night is, is put on to the best of our abilities. I, I think I can easily go through about like six or 10 bottles of water uh, in one at, at the silver, like, you know, that was one of my first things. Like that's when I was first starting out there, that was like the first thing I had to do when I got to the arena was take all the water upstairs. Like that, that was my immediate thing. And I knew I had to do it because I was going to be drinking at least half a dozen bottles. And <laughs> I know you need water. So it's a, it's a critical part of the operation. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, sometimes we, we run low because that water is also for the off ice officials and everything like that. So I'm in between intermissions and everything like that, and running into the bathroom and filling up bottles of water just to make sure I have enough to get to the end of the game. You know, you know the um, when the, when the Kraken had their preseason game in Everett, they actually turned off the fridge. Oh, oh, so that's why all the water is warm now, huh? Yeah, because <laughs> we're still trying to like get this fridge cool. Oh, <laughs> so you the Kraken. Uh, thanks a lot for the Kraken for turning off my fridge upstairs um we're gonna have to get, we're gonna have to get coolers up there or something and we're just gonna start bringing our own ice our own coolers and get our own waters pretty much yeah we're, ju- we're just gonna have uh you know bags of ice bags yeah. of coolers and then some probably for joel we're gonna have to put like you know with a Michelob ultra is that the post-game beer now or or <laughs> or, 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 or um not budweiser bud light we'll get a bunch of bud lights up there for joel you know, we, Hey, we can't put them up during the game. You know, that's a, that's a post-game celebratory victory. Those two pointers, you know, you can always have that. Well, just so we the have game. them, just so we have them upstairs. So Joel doesn't have to go downstairs to get them. That's, <laughs> that's how we do it. And, you know, Joel is, he's, he's always funny, man. That guy's always grinding. I think after a game and it's, you know, 1030 at night and he gets right back on his computer and he starts working away and there's, you know, there's no quit for that guy. It's just intense. He was sitting on his chair when I was there last night, like his whole family was there and he's still sitting on his chair, typing away, doing his thing. Just working away. He's got to, got to prepare for the next game. Yeah. Well, Greg, it's been awesome chatting with you. I don't have anything else here. Uh, this has been a great conversation. Do you have anything you want to plug or anything you want to sponsor here? No, Ian, we didn't even get to talk about the racetrack. Or oh, the racetrack. You know? Oh, I totally messed up about <laughs> the racetrack. I actually, I'm glad you mentioned that because I was about to sign off, but I totally want to talk about Evergreen Speedway because that was like another one of like, when I was living down there, my dad a couple times a year would take me to Evergreen and yeah. figure eights were just the coolest thing in the entire world. They are. And it's, yeah, you know, I think it's still a, a huge excitement factor too, for a lot of the people, the last race of the season is, is something they call 60 minutes of fear. And it's where they, this year they put uh, outlaw and super stock figure eights out on the same figure eight course. And they set a clock for 60 minutes and just tried to see who's going to basically make it to the very end. But, uh, it's, it's an absolute blast. You know, I, um, I really good friends and, and family friends with the Hobbs family who, um, has the promoting rights for evergreen speedway. And, uh, their company is High Road Promotions, and they uh, have have been doing it out at Evergreen Speedway, I think, for the last 10 or 11 years. And uh, over the offseason, a, a great friend of mine that's been a great family friend, Steve Mortland, who has 
you know, done tons out at Evergreen Speedway. He used to host a radio show on 1380 that was uh, North Sound, um, North Sound Racing. And so just a, a great sports car enthusiast and a great sports car announcer. The guy's done pretty much everything under the sun. And he uh, called me up kind of out of the blue um, during the COVID season. So the 2021 season when the Silver Tips only had, I think, 12 home games. And he said, hey, what do you think about uh, joining me out at Evergreen Speedway for the season? It starts in, you know, the end of March. And I said, you know, well, usually I'm kind of so tired by the end of a silver tip season, but this one was only 12 games. So, you know, he, he talked me into it and uh, I got to sit down with Doug, who, like I said, has been an old family friend. So great to connect with him again and, and got to do it. And it's, it was, uh, I think so much fun. It's, it's very different obviously than doing PA announcing. I, I have my script for PA announcing. And, and when you get out to the racetrack from, you know, three 30 until 10 o'clock at night, you, you have, a small little script, which is just the ads that you need to read for the sponsors. But other than that, you're putting on the show for the fans that come out there and, and uh, there's, there's nothing written down that you're going to actually announce. And so absolute blast for me, there's, you know, such great divisions out there. They have youth Hornets, which is kids 12 to 14 years old that are out there racing and, and trying to work themselves up into the next division. They have a great NASCAR um, group, the super late models that are always fun that race around the three eights and sometimes the, the large oval that they have out at Evergreen Speedway, but uh, an absolute blast. And, you know, we were talking kind of joking a little bit earlier before this started about some of the fun memories. And the one that kind of popped to my head almost immediately is this guy named uh, the Cowboy John Carlson, and he runs in the Outlaw Figure Eights. And whenever he wins, especially if it's a big race, he'll drive up to the fence and it's a pretty tall fence. And then it's angled forward, right. To protect the fans from anything that flies off a car. But, you know, he's done this for years too. And I remember, I think, gosh, I believe when my dad used to announce out there, I think he raced out there as well, but he wears cowboy boots to race, you know, hence the nickname and he'll climb the fence to come up to, because there's this, you know, angel of the winds, winner's circle podium, right. That everybody comes up, we interview them and, and, uh, he'll climb the fence over, get on the top, jump onto the flag stand and climb down. And it's one of the most incredible things you'll see. I've never seen anybody else do it, but every time he wins a big race, the cowboy just climbs up, goes over the top of the fence, stands on top of the fence, gets the crowd pumped up and then hops onto the flag stand and walks down and accepts his first place trophy. But that's, that's always fun, but it was, it was great. I, I got to do some TV appearances this year. The evergreen speedway has a TV show called home track heroes that airs uh, Sunday nights on the CW 11, um, from five to seven, obviously not doing it now because the season is over, but, uh, they'll have another season out there next year. And so just so much fun to be able to do something a little bit different from PA and to be able to do some of the TV shows, um, on CW 11 and to hear some of my family, you know, call me up and say, you know, Hey, we, we saw you on TV and it looks like you've probably been eating a little bit too much during COVID. And I say, yeah, yeah, probably true. But just kind of fun to have that experience for sure. I was going to say, I got the CW11 up here. We have it as part of our cable package, so I can watch some of the races up here, but obviously they're not showing them now, like you said, because the season's over. But, you, you know, you're convincing me to go back to the racetrack and watching some of this because, I, I, again, I remember, like, as a little kid, just going there and just watch, you know, the crowd's insane, the driving's fun. I, I, I also got to know, does... Do you see yourself doing any racing, any, you know, more racing in your future in your broadcasting or announcing career? Would you like to do more of that? You know, I think I would. I, I had, like I said, I had such a, a fun time this last year. And I think uh, your experience oftentimes is 
um, sometimes predicated on the people you get to work with and the experience you get to have. Um, Steve Mortland and, and Tom Glithrow are two guys that I got to do a lot of calling of, of races with, and they were just fantastic people. They, they helped me push me along, right? Because it's been, I did the racetrack and it was gosh, at this point, maybe 13 years ago. So it's been a long time. Right. And I, I have totally been out of, of NASCAR racing and didn't know really anything about it. And so they helped me along so much and, uh, they, they continued to come to races and kind of help support me. But, um, I think it really did light a passion and, and, uh, I very much hope that they want me back again next year. I'd love to do the TV show again and love to do, uh, the stock car racing out there at uh, Evergreen Speed because it was just it was so much fun and I actually saw a lot of Silvertips fans out there too which was really cool I would I'd be walking down to go interview the top three for whatever race it might be and somebody come up to me and goes you know your voice sounds really familiar do you do hockey too and I'd be like yeah actually I do and it's it's just kind of fun I think there's a lot of people that are you know Silvertips fans that are also racing fans and so uh, a lot of crossover there but um, I I do see myself for sure if like I said if if, uh, you know, high road promotions or the Hobbs family, listen to this, you know, maybe, maybe give me a call. See if you want me back again. I'll, next I'll, year, but... I'll, I'll send you, I'll send you the link so you can share with them and they can I love play. it. I love it. But yeah, no, I, I think it'd be an absolute blast to be back out there again next year. It was, it was so much fun. And, um, this year might be a little bit different. It's, it's obviously at this point going to be a full hockey season, which, you know, hopefully knock on wood goes, uh, well into the April, May timeframe and, uh, the racing starts in March. And so we'd have to kind of figure out scheduling wise there, but, um, I had an absolute blast. So hopefully they'll have me back out. Uh, I'm probably now that we've talked about this, I'm probably going to go watch, watch some racing at evergreen speedway this summer. You know, when it all starts up again, you, you probably convinced me. Uh, the other thing, I don't know if you've heard, but in, uh, in June, the NASCAR Xfinity series is coming to Portland and Mm -hmm. that's like a thing I'm, I'm also interested in. I don't know who else would be interested in that, but that's something I'm probably going to be, uh, going and watching so maybe they can get you doing like some xfinity racing yeah that would be awesome and i think you got to work your magic and at least get us some tickets down there or something like that because uh i i know i can at least do my parts and anytime there's a vacant seat up in the booth at evergreen i can always get you up there and we'll put a headset on you and let you talk to the masses out there but uh, that would be awesome i I would love that um and we'll we'll figure out about portland I'll, i'll work my connections i'll see who i can who i can chat with who i know um we'll roll in your car i'll give you like five bucks for gas and call it good just give me some Michelob Ultra and we'll call it good (laughs) as soon as we get done with the trip right yeah exactly as soon as we're done Michelob Ultra uh I don't know what you know Papa John's pizza maybe not Papa John's I don't know what's good (laughs) we gotta step your game up I mean Brooklyn Brooklyn bros give me some Brooklyn bros and and then is that an Everett thing do you think they have that down in Portland what Brooklyn bros I'll stop on the way back I'll I'll stop on the um, I know we got we got to get you well fed before you go back over the border. I mean that's a long drive for you. I know, I know. That's what uh, I you know I I know you're trying to kick me off this and I totally get it because you know it's you're probably tired at this point too. But no. I got to say like for the dedication for somebody um, in your role that's coming down and doing so much with social media with the team, to me it's just so amazing. I mean you drive from Canada for games. I mean like yeah. And I don't know exactly where you live around the Vancouver area, but I'm a, I'm about I'm about thirty minutes from the border. Okay. That's, I mean, that's dedication. I just think that's awesome. I, I remember, especially pre COVID when you were coming every single game and I was thinking, my goodness, this, this kid's driving all the way down from Canada to come to a game. I always thought it was just like the coolest thing, like such dedication. So props to you, Ian. I think it's awesome that you're, you have this passion, you're continuing on with it. And even if it is a a three and a half hour drive for you or so, you're still into it. 
Well, uh, it's it's actually really good right now because the border is nothing. Like the it's almost easier than pre-COVID, so it's actually not too bad right now. Um, <laughs> but also, um, I, I think some of the other listeners, uh, I don't remember Scott who worked for the Silver Tips. He's probably going to be interested in this. Scott uh, Blumenfeld and uh, Nick Myers might also be interested in this. Not the not the name drop, but I already did. But there yeah. are the other guys who will probably listen to this. We'll check it out. Um, Greg, this has been awesome. Thank you very much for your time. Again, if you need to plug anything or if you want to sponsor any, you know, if you got your own personal sponsor, here's a few. I'll give you a minute or two to just, you know, plug something if you like. You know, Ian, if uh, if there's sponsors out there, I'm, I'm always open to taking uh, taking sponsors and doing uh, doing reads for anybody. But uh, I I guess the last thing I'd like to just say is is you know if anybody in the Silver Tips organization or anybody at High Road Promotions at Evergreen Speedway listens, I so grateful for the opportunities that they've given me. I I think that the Silver Tips are a a super classy organization. They've always done right by me and my family, and I I love working for them and. I feel uh, the same way about Evergreen Speedway and the Hobbs family that run High Road Promotions. So uh, I guess I'll just give a plug for the Everett Silver Tips. Come down and see Ian and uh, come down and hear me and, and hear Joel and the magic that he does with music. And if uh, you're a NASCAR fan, come on down to Evergreen Speedway during the months of uh, March through October and uh, see a race because it's a blast. We'll, uh, we'll see if we can connect with Joel to give us some sponsors. If he can send us some like Everett community sponsors to, you know, you know, to plug, to plug this and to plug you. Basically, yeah. we just need more ad money. Um, hey, Tulalip Casino. We'll just say Tulalip yeah, Casino. Yeah, Tulalip right? <laughs> is a great idea. I like the sounds of that. That's a great yes. idea. Great. Yeah. Thank you very much for taking the time to do this. It's greatly appreciated uh, for the people listening. Uh, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can check out this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast. Thank you very much for li- listening. It's greatly appreciated. We'll be back soon. Peace out.